Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Joining us on the Trocare College live line, we turn to Jeffrey Skelly, senior elections analyst with ABC and 538, talking about a, a number of things. First, Jeff, I do want to start with George Santos and just what exactly you've seen in this matter. Ousted last week from Congress, but done so, it really did kind of set a precedent, even though you might argue that Santos himself set a precedent. What turned the tide here and really forced the numbers to not be in his favor? Well, you're exactly right that, that George Santos was a bit of a, an unprecedented character. Um, as, a, as a member of Congress, um, if, if people don't know, he, uh, he, he won uh, in, in November, uh, last November 2022, um, the 3rd Congressional District on, on Long Island. And uh, from there, it came out very quickly that he had mischaracterized or lied about most aspects of his biography. Um, he ended up being uh, charged with a, a number of uh, federal crimes, alleged still. His trial is not until next, uh, next September. Um, but things like wire fraud, uh, money laundering, a bunch of campaign finance crimes, all connected with his 2022 campaign. Um, so he mischaracterized and lied about a bunch of stuff and also may have committed a bunch of crimes in the process. So all of this led uh, eventually to the House ousting him, formally expelling him. Uh, last week, and you need a two-thirds vote to do that, so you need a fair amount of agreement in the House to do it. And you know, this this came on the heels of about a month earlier, at the start of November, a vote that failed. And I think really what what changed was one, the House Ethics Committee uh, released a a investigative report about Santos that just piled on even more stuff about him that they had found, uh, and I think that gave. Some members who were a little uncertain about expelling Santos, who has not yet been convicted of a crime, and that is a, a key precedent here, uh, gave them a little more comfort in voting to expel him. Um, also, you know, look, Republicans had just gone through at the start of November a, a lengthy battle over electing a, a speaker uh, in Mike Johnson. And, you know, I think the idea of expelling a member who is a Republican from a competitive seat, a seat they could lose in an upcoming special election now. Uh, was was maybe a little thorny, but here a month on, maybe Mike Johnson's got a little more control of things. Maybe there's maybe the the, the calls from New York Republicans, many of whom wanted Santos gone because they don't want to have to answer questions about him for the entire 2024 campaign, uh, was enough to get uh, Republicans, or at least half of Republicans, on board with expelling him, along with almost all Democrats, and that's how you got the two-thirds majority. All right. Well, the fourth presidential debate is tomorrow night. And it's a smaller field. What was the threshold this time? Who's participating? Right. So, uh, yes, the Republican National Committee, which sets the rules for debate qualification, raised the polling support you need in polls that the RNC recognizes, um, which includes a, a few things uh, for a poll to be recognized. But uh, they needed uh, 6% in uh, either two national polls or one national poll and two early state polls. But those early state polls would have to be from separate states, so like one from New Hampshire and one from, from Iowa, to qualify, along with 
having 80,000 unique donors. Uh, so in the end, we got Ron DeSantis, Nikki Haley, Vivek Ramaswamy, and barely Chris Christie, who, who very, very narrowly qualified. I wasn't sure he would actually make the stage uh, yesterday. Um, so that was th- when the RNC released the news is when I was like, oh, OK, he did make it. Um, so that that you have a smaller field uh, on the debate. Last time there were five candidates. This time there are four. Uh, so it's it's an opportunity for for those candidates maybe to shine a bit more because you know you're going to have roughly two hours, uh, and now there's one less person on stage. Even that being said, how much, if at all, have these debates been needle movers? You know, they they just really haven't been. Um, look, Donald Trump, uh, the former president, uh, is in a very commanding position in this primary. I don't want to say that he couldn't lose. Like, look, things things can happen, and and. His candidacy in and of itself is uh, unprecedented in modern times. Uh, you know, the modern presidential primary era basically dates back to the 1970s, and we've never had a former president run again in this way. So you know, he's, he's just a different kind of candidate in, in just that way to, you know, to start with. Um, so the fact that Trump is polling close to 60 percent nationally and between 40 and 50 percent in Iowa and New Hampshire and South Carolina, you know, this is a, a very strong position. But it is true that he's not necessarily polling as well in, say, Iowa and New Hampshire, where people are paying more attention at this point, as he is in, as, as he is nationally. Um, so it is possible that you can still have a, a competitive result in those early states that could could shift views to some extent. Although I will say one of the other big things for Trump is that a lot of his supporters are very locked in. They say they're not considering anyone else, and that is a different kind of front runner than, say, George W. Bush in. Late 1999 had a big polling lead in national polls, but a lot of people said they were still considering other options, and that's not the case with Trump. The Iowa caucuses are six weeks from today. Now, if any of these four that are on the stage tomorrow night don't do well in Iowa, do you see any of them dropping out at that point, or they do they keep going? Well, you know, for Christie, it seems like he's he's betting a lot on New Hampshire because he's much stronger there than he is in Iowa. So I think he'll try to hang around. Um, So the Iowa caucuses are January 15th. New Hampshire primary is eight days later on January 23rd. Uh, So I I think Christie wants to hang around to at least New Hampshire. And I think Haley definitely wants to get to New Hampshire because she's been polling better there than in Iowa, although she has been catching up to DeSantis, who has long been in second to Trump in Iowa. Uh, so I, I'm not sure. I, I, I think it might be more likely than not that those candidates try to hang around at least through the first two states. Um, you know, in previous cycles, you'd have some some weaker candidates uh, uh, who got very little vote in Iowa who would then drop out and, and didn't try to hang around until New Hampshire. But uh, this time around, it's a smaller field, in part because Trump is in such a strong position. You just don't have quite as many candidates running. So that that might that might lead the the few who are remaining to stick around. All right. Well, Jeff, thanks so much for joining us. Jeffrey Skelly with 538 and ABC News talking a little bit about what these debates do in terms of uh, moving people and maybe not much so far. We'll see if that changes this week. 
Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.